to episode 95 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that complains about the increase in the number of new commanders that are showing up in Magic sets, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott, and today I am joined by the Dungeon Delver herself, Emma. How are you doing? Hey, yeah, I'm doing well. Weathering the preview storm, because it's been a pretty <laughs> busy week for the previews, as people know. Oh, yeah. So for content this week, I'm going back to modern, taking a break mm-hmm. from Commander for a little bit. And I'm going to look at how Modern Horizons has made the format financially tough for those who want to enter it. This is an yeah. article I've been wanting to write for the last like two to three weeks, but news comes out about Double Masters, then Dominaria United, yeah. and then Universes Beyond, and then there's been Commander Preview, so everything's been pushed back. Um, so <laughs> I've got like a rare week to get the stuff I want to do done, so yeah. I'm going to take the opportunity to write about that. Also, I wrote a guide on what is modern for those who do want to enter the format but unsure how to go about it or what the format is. And then for Dicebreaker, I look at some of the best Space Marine units for Warhammer 40,000. You can check those mm-hmm. on TCG Player and Dicebreaker now. In terms of magic, I've started picking up a few cards for Tasha the Witch Queen, which is one of the reveals from Battles mm. for Baldur's Gate. Tasha is one of my favourite characters in the D&D verse, so it makes sense to do a D&D themed commander deck around it i'm mostly picking up like lands and like fun mill cards also picked up some yeah. sweet removal spells thanks to this really cool carl kingdom article by some guy called scott cullen like i don't know if you know who he is yeah exactly like some really good really good tidbits so i picked up some cards based on that article as tasha's very exile and steely and millie mm. it's not going to be a spell table deck because that just does not translate That's well fair. over spell table yeah. so this is going to be my like my default tabletop deck like the one i actually play in person with people because it's much easier to do so also i had a little bit more time to just chill out so i've been dipping back into final fantasy 9 and i forgot mm. how awesome triple triad is mm. which is the mini game i think oh, it's yeah. one of the best how about you what you've been up to I'm good. I am extremely tired. I'm just back from our short trip to Italy. Leanne and I went to Rome for our friends Dave and Nikki's wedding. It was nice. phenomenal. Um, we were back last night at like two o'clock in the morning, but you know, it was worth it. It was scorching hot weather. It was reaching 30 degrees Celsius during the day or 86 degrees Fahrenheit in non-freedom units. Uh, the <laughs> food itself was incredible. Absolutely the highlight. Italy has given the best first impression food-wise of any country I've ever been to. Absolutely amazing. I may have also, at the wedding, set a new record for number of servings of tiramisu eaten. So oh, Tiramisu is so good. Yeah, I embarrassed myself with the amount I ate. Uh, <laughs> Coffee and a pudding, yes please. Mm. Uh, now, I actually, for the first time since starting writing, I think, uh, I have no new article this week. Because I was trying, trying, being the operative word here, to take most of the week off. It didn't really work out because I still ended up just doing loads of work and random junk anyway. But I got a little bit of time. So next week I will be back with another piece though. So stay tuned. Despite not doing any content though, I will be on Adam the Gathering stream this Wednesday at 3pm EST over at twitch.tv forward slash Adam the Gathering. Uh, it's nice because it's a decent time for us EU folks. 3pm EST is... I know, like 8 that's PM like 8 o'clock. Yeah, so that's a nice change from a lot of the streams. If, by the way, you're a patron and you're listening to this not long after it goes live on Patreon, then you should be actually in time to catch it over on his Twitch. So you can go say hi there. Tell me I sent you. <laughs> if not, you can catch the VOD over on Adam's Twitch afterwards. So in terms of magic, though, I ordered a few cards from my new Reality Everwise Voltron 
wheels control kind of deck. It's a deck that I've wanted to make for a while, but I decided to do it as part of a $50 budget challenge that I'm doing within my playgroup. Mm-hmm. So it turns out there's an awful lot that you can do with $50 in Commander now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to list all of the other decks in the playgroup in the show notes if you want to check them out. But uh, Tara built Emodi Celebrant of Bounty with a Karuga Companion. It's just nice. cascading like crazy. Uh, Jamie made an Exile Matters deck with Bell Borka, Spectral Sergeant. Ralph built a Faraday Devil's Chosen dice rolling deck. Dahi made a Kyler Sigardian Emissary deck. And Aaron made Jadzi Oracle of Arcavios Storm, which is absurd. Now, if you go and click on those links, like the prices might be a little different now because they've fluctuated somewhat, but we're not being super particular about it. You know, it's more the spirit of the builds than anything. Outside of Magic, in terms of playing games and stuff, I've only played Slay the Spire because of, you know, traveling around and stuff. It's just super easy to get into and play for short bursts. And, Mm. you know, it's turn-based, so you can stop playing if you need to, like, change train or, like, board a flight or whatever it is. So, it was good. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BMcast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMcast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alrighty, so I believe it is my turn this week for a card of the week. And I've got one that I'm just after putting into my Calamax deck. And that is Arcbond. So Arcbond is two and a red, an instant from Fate Reforged that reads, Choose Target Creature. Whenever that creature is dealt damage this turn, it deals that much damage to each other creature and each player. This is a ridiculous tricking commander that I don't think enough people know about, let alone play. And it's kind of like a reverse Chandra's Ignition, sort of. Because you can chump block a big threat and then cast this targeting the blocker. So if it's blocking a 12-12, you are going to spread 12 damage across everything and each player. You can attack with a huge threat and use it on the attacker as well. If they're deciding to like, you know, chump block with something small, you can use it on the attacker. Whenever they're dealt damage, you can do like a small sweeper kind of effect. If you use it on a creature with death touch, you'll kill every creature. Copying it, it, this is why I put it in Calamax, causes absolute chaos because you can set it up to copy and target like two different creatures and then one will take damage which will hit the other one which will then hit the other one which will then hit everything which will then hit the other one it's this weird (laughs) chain that just keeps going until everything's dead and if you copy it and target two indestructible creatures say like i don't know stuffy dolls kind of effects you know you could just have them kill everyone (laughs) which is really good (laughs) because they'll never die so the chain just keeps going forever nice so Moving on, we are going to have a chat about, well, surprise, surprise, more previews. Battle for Baldur's Gate is just here. So, as of the time of recording, we're what, you said was like halfway through the preview season? Yeah, so previews finish completely, and that includes like the Commander Precons, the four that are going to be revealed. I believe it's the 1st of June, everything is done. This is going out on Wednesday, Thursday, right? So... Mm. That would be near the end of the previews for Battle for Baldur's Gate, and then we'll get mm. the Commander decks to start of that week 
after. So we're about halfway through. Yeah. It's a lot of yeah. stuff. We were hit with an awful lot of cards from the get-go, from the very first day. And... Yeah. There was 85 cards previewed on Monday. Yeesh. So <laughs> we've, we've got a bit to go through. Let's start off. Emma, tell us a little bit about this new card subtype called Background. Yeah, so... Obviously, Battle for Baldur's Gate is a Dungeons and Dragons set. They want to marry the D&D theme with, in Magic the Gathering, and Background's a really fun way to do that. So Background is a new subtype. It's a legendary enchantment. So there are creatures that will say, choose a background, um, and they are monocolored, and they're legendary in Battle for Baldur's Gate. So monocolored legendary creatures from the set have the ability to choose a background so you can customize your commander. And there's, mm. I think there's like two dozen backgrounds revealed so far all do different things. The backgrounds contribute to the color identity of the commander, so they play a little bit like partner. So yeah. they help with the color identity. You can play them in the 99 if you want. You can also rule zero them as well. I don't see why not. Like if there's a yeah. really cool like history archeological one, I'm gonna put it in with Quintorius and no one can change my mind because it's cool flavoring. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like these uh, enchantments that go in the command zone with your commander and you can play them as you would like a partner. And they will give an effect. So, for example, like Dungeon Delver, commander creatures you own have room abilities of dungeons you own trigger additional time. So if you've got a Dungeons Matter commander, you get to trigger the rooms twice, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just cool little things like that. It allows you to have this monocolor commander and you could just choose a background of any color and put it next to it. I yeah. think it's pretty neat. It is. It is very neat. And there are so many. Like you said, there's already a ton of backgrounds shown and a ton of commanders with choose a background. I think the number of combinations that are going to come out of this... It's really good from a limited standpoint as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It, it's very unlikely that you're going to get the same two things. And yeah. it is going to encourage a lot of customizing and changing around. I am looking forward to trying to find the most interesting and weird and fun pairings for these. Yeah. You know, We will, at some point in the future, talk a little bit more about backgrounds and the commanders that choose a background. We're going to cover that in a separate thing altogether, but let's go and have a look at a couple of cards that sort of stood out to us from preview so far. So, bit of forewarning, this is being recorded on Sunday, so we only have up as far as Sunday, and also because I was away for most of the week, I have seen very, very little of this, so when I list out mine, I have seen for the first time in the last like hour or two, unless it was at the very, very start of preview season, because it was around for that. So, yeah. Why don't you kick us off, Emma, with uh, with your first one? Yep, so my first one is Corlesa, Scale Singer. Uh, so for a green mm. and a blue, you get a 1-4 legendary creature, Dragon Bard. And it reads, You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast any dragon spells from the top of your library. So it's just a really cool Dragon Matters commander that isn't in red. I know people yeah. are complaining that like, it can't be a dragon if it's not red. I don't know who made up that rule, but that's terrible. <laughs> you clearly not play Khan's Block because a lot of them aren't red. Mm -hmm. I digress. As it's in green, you get to do a lot of cool ramp stuff. So you, you still have that green game plan of just ramping into stuff. And I'm pretty yeah. sure there's ways you can turn like Arcane Adaption, the, like named Dragon reveal it and then you yeah. just play them from the top of your deck like just off the top of my head it'll be a cool commander i think i like these kind of commanders because mm. it's restrictive and with restriction yep. breeds creativity so you can build something really different and fun with this um also it's likely to see play in like ur dragon decks and tiamat decks because it's just good value but i'm more interested to see it as a commander rather than in 99 yeah it's really really sweet 
This is the kind of commander that I would love to try and brew a deck around. I might not necessarily build it, but it's definitely the one that like would draw me in and be like, I need to try and figure this one out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, my first one, I know we said we weren't going to talk about the commanders uh, with backgrounds and all that kind of stuff, but there are one or two that I would just like to point out that are kind of like very interesting. Uh, one of them, and now... I'm actually going to preface this as well with, if I get any of the spellings of this wrong, same applies to Emma. Uh, it's not our fault. Uh, some <laughs> yeah. of them are ridiculous. And, you know, so uh, this one is Rasad in Bashir, I think it is, which is two and a white for a zero three legendary creature human monk. Each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. And whenever Rasad in Bashir attacks... If you have the initiative, double the toughness of each creature you control until end of turn, and then choose a background. So, this is toughness matters in one plus colors. So, like we said, the background could be a different color. It could be green, it could be blue, it could be whatever you want. And it's also kind of initiative matters as well, because you want to have the initiative when you're attacking, which means you're probably going to want to put in creatures that ETB and give you the initiative. It's just really cool. I really, really quite like this a lot. Um, you could technically just build it around the toughness part and ignore the initiative altogether, and that would like put a bit of a dampener on the, the power level, which is kind of cool. This allows a myriad of different ways to build a quirky toughness deck, because before it was always like um, Doran the Siege Tower or Arcades, and that's kind of it. You know, whereas with this, you can go mono-white booties, like... <laughs> for all you want booties. you know or it could be boros booties like who knows you know <laughs> you do whatever you like and you can do azorius booties as well with yeah. that's a good yeah. booty card exactly and like this is the kind of weird commander that i love seeing just like corlesta scale singer because it's not what you would typically expect for this kind of thing because normally it would have green normally it would have you know white and blue or th these kind of things but you can just go how about no i'm just gonna build a weird one you know yeah orzov butts let's go like, why not? Next up for me, apologise if I butcher the name of this one, because, again, different language, different world. And I believe this is a Baldur's Gate free character as well from the upcoming video game. Um, and that's Lazel Valkyrie's champion. So for two generic and a white, you get a 3-3 that is a gift warrior. If you would put one or more counters on a creature, planeswalker, you control, or yourself... Put that money plus one on each of those kinds of counters on that permanent or player instead. And you get to choose mm. a background as well. So it's a free, free mm. and white. It's just important to take away that this is kind of white's doubling season. And I think that's really powerful in Commander, given how much double, Kinda, doubling yeah. season sees play. And it's in the command zone. Like, that just seems mm. great. <laughs> I don't think there's much more to say than that. But Yeah, it's really, really sweet. And again... You know, the kind of thing that would pair with this would be, say, like, green-white would normally be the sort of mm. hardened scales-y kind of colours. But you could just be like, I don't know, blue-white. Why not? And, like, have it to do with, like, charge counters. Who knows? You know? Your energy. Just, it could do energy because it puts it on yourself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ah, okay. I, there was someone at my LGS that built a Traxxer, but it was a Traxxer energy. <laughs> and it was great. Nice. Because everyone was just like, oh, my God, there's an Traxxer player. And it was just like, a tune with Aoife? They're like, What? because yes. no one expects it it was so good that's good that's really good speaking of just like neat little things like a tune with ether my next one is goggles of night right it is a common from the set it is one and a blue for an artifact equipment with equip two and it reads whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player scry one and then draw a card so these cheap effective 
card advantage equipment. These are what keep these equipment decks running. Like, sure, this is in blue, and technically you could run stuff like Treasure Cruise or whatever, but that's not normally what those kind of decks would want to run. They would want to have more of a critical mass of equipment and that kind of thing. So this allows you to lean that little bit harder into your strategy, just not necessarily Goggles of Night itself, but just these kinds of cards, and it's amazing to see these things. Now, I did choose this because on combat damage it gives you an opt, and I'm not biased towards my opts at all, I swear. <laughs> but it's just really cool. It's really, really cool. I'm a big fan of like Mask of Memory and Zephyr Boots and stuff, so like anywhere that I can put in these kind of cards, I am just going to put them in. And Goggles of Night is no different. Um, so next up for me is a card that you're fairly excited about when you've read it for the first time earlier today. Yes. Um, which is Will, Blade of Frontiers. So for one generic and a red, you get a legendary creature that is a human warlock. It's also a 1-1. Mm-hmm. One, one. And it reads, if you would roll one or more dice, instead you roll that many dice plus one and ignore the lowest roll. Whenever you roll one or more dice, put a plus one plus one counter on Will Blade of Frontiers and you get to choose a background. So this is yeah. a really cool way for Magic to do advantage in D&D, which I thought mm-hmm. was nice. And plus people, dice rolling is just like a really cool thing to do in D&D anyway. And the fact that there's like a dice rolling matters commander, essentially. Yeah. It's pretty nice uh, and you can choose a background so you've got you can be red blue you can do red blue like dice rolling you can do mm-hmm. you can go into any color which is nice i also want to talk yeah. about will's reversal as well in the same conversation oh, yes. which is also a dice rolling card um so for two generic and a red you get an instant uh you choose target spell or ability with one or more targets you roll a d20 and add the greatest power most creatures you control uh from 1 to 14 you get to choose new targets for the spell or ability if you roll 15 or more, you choose new targets for the spell ability, then copy it, then you choose new targets for the copy. Yeah. It's just a really fun way to wild ricochet people, and I love these kind of effects mm-hmm. in Commander. And one thing that's really nice about this, you get to add the power of your creatures to the roll, which is yeah. a really nice touch, a nice reference to D&D, how you add things to your dice mm-hmm. rolls. This is going in Quintorius as well, just because I love the chaoticness of it. <laughs> Yeah, this is probably going in like every deck I have that has red in it because it is so, so good. It's not busted, but it's just broad enough of a spell that it's going to have some use somewhere basically all the time. But the more I look at both Will, Blade of Frontiers and Will's Reversal together, the better they look in tandem with each other. Because obviously Will lets you re-roll dice, so that's going to help get a better outcome on Will's Reversal. But also, if you've been rolling dice and stuff already, Will's got to be pretty big, which means that you're pretty much guaranteed to be able to just essentially three mana wild ricochet, which is pretty fantastic. Big fan. So the next one I want to talk about now, I haven't played through the Baldur's Gate games. I have one and two enhanced editions on Switch. I haven't played through them fully yet, so I could be getting this incorrect. But the translation of this according to scryfall this next commander is duke older raven guard it's four red and a white for a five five legendary creature human noble soldier and it reads at the beginning of combat on your turn another target creature you control gains haste and myriad until end of turn a myriad commander is really cool i love this idea i don't know why i didn't think of like having something like this as an option before or when they would make it because it's sweet. It's super, super easy to break. Don't get me wrong. Super easy to break. You just play Dockside Extortionist, get a bunch of mana, play Duke Older Ravenguard, Myriad the Dockside, 
win the game probably like i get that but at lower power levels and stuff as well this could just be fantastic like this is an excellent way to have a powerful red and white commander without actually bending or breaking the color pie because one of the problems with red white as a combination of commander as we all know is like card advantage card draw ramp and all that kind of stuff you can get around that by having things with myriad so you are leaning into the strengths of red white which is combat and you could just make copies of solemns and i know the tokens will exile instead of drawing you the card but like you'll still get to ramp a lot more you can make copies of like the a lot of the new creatures that you know etb draw a card that are in white that kind of thing you can get an awful lot of value from this and this is the kind of thing that i think is the kind of commander that i'm very happy to see from the likes of red white yeah yeah, also, it just allows you to be aggressive in Bar, so you can just copy your most aggressive creature, like a hero Bladehold or something. Yeah, Sun Titan's another good one that you can copy, get something mm. back. Like, It's just a cool design, and it's cool to see Myriad back, which I think was like Command 2015, 2016. It's a pretty oldish mechanic Roughly. now, so it's cool to see it back. Mm. Um, next up, with sets like Commander Legends, you often get reprints. Mm-hmm. Yep. We know we've got the Battle Bond lands coming in Reflecting Pool, which is a really good start because mm. they're ex- pretty expensive, let's be honest. Another yep. Battle Bond card that's seen a reprint is Bramble Sovereign. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what it does, it's a t- generic 2, 2 green, 4-4 four, four creature dryad. Whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield, you may pay one generic and a green. If you do, create a token that's a copy of the creature. At present, Bramble Sovereign's a $20 card because it's just yep. got such a unique effect. Um, so great copy effect in green. It doesn't happen that often. Um, mm-hmm. You can use it politically. You can copy, pay to have opponents have copies of their creatures mm-hmm. just a really cool reprint to have and then you've got basculus collar as well which sometimes see constructive play you see a lot of play in modern yeah. with like walking ballista if you don't know what it is it's a one mana artifact that gives uh, a quick creature death touch and lifelink and it has two in the equipment yeah. cost it's just really cool to see reprints of these kind of cards also it has new art yeah and it looks sweet yeah there is another creature and this is kind of rare for me because normally i would be much more attracted to the one or two color commanders because i feel that their identity is a little bit stronger overall when you start getting into three colors it starts getting a little soupy and then four onwards it's it's no good for me i know other people like it it's not for me but there is another one and again if i get the spelling or the name of the card incorrect it's either weird language from Baldur's gate or it's scryfall being hilarious with their translations or whatever so i tried to actually figure out what it is and i think this one is jan jansen chaos shaper or jan jansen or jan jansen or jan jansen chaos shaper it's one of them it is red white black for a 3-3 legendary creature gnome artificer with haste and it has two different tap abilities the first one is tap and sacrifice an artifact creature you create two treasure tokens you tap and sacrifice a non-creature artifact and you create two one one colorless construct artifact creature tokens so this is a super super powerful mardu artifact commander which i don't think we have a whole lot of first things first this can obviously very easily go infinite with liquid metal torque and clock of omens so if you have liquid metal torque turn jan jansen or jan jansen or (laughs) you get it turn them into an artifact and they tap and sacrifice an artifact creature and they make two treasure tokens. You can then tap those two treasure tokens with 
Clock of Omens and untap Jan Jansen. He can then tap and sacrifice one of the treasures to make two 1-1 artifacts, which you can then tap the two of those to untap Jan Jansen. And before you know it, you have essentially infinite treasures and 1-1s. That's pretty good. Now, they are tapped because you have to do your, your tapping job, but... You've got impact tremors. Yeah, exactly. You've got loads of ways to like win on the spot, or if you want to play at a lower power but still include combos and that kind of thing, you could, in fact, just pass a turn and hope no one has a sweeper. You know, that's that's yeah. a thing too. Uh, because even if they do, you still have your liquid metal torque and your clock of omens and you still threaten to just do it again, you know? It, it's just really, really sweet. Even if you don't go infinite and that kind of thing, like if you don't put in tutors to get your pieces or whatever you can still really really grind people out with value artifact stuff like i've been doing it with dargo and armix for months now at this point and having that sacrifice sub team is really really good because it means that like if someone goes to sweep the board you can get great value out of what's going on and that kind of thing you, you'll end up being ahead of everybody else and you can even do like some aristocrats kind of shenanigans because you are playing around with creatures there as well so there's a lot going on there's a number of different angles that you can take this and i think it's really really strong I would definitely like to see how this one pans out in terms of builds. Sure. Um, so my last card from the set so far is Archivist of Ogma. So this is a 2-2 Halfling Cleric uh, for mm -hmm. one generic and a white. It comes with Flash, and whenever an opponent searches their library, you gain one life and draw a card. Mm -hmm. um, so this is just a really cool... I think it's pretty good as well. Uh, just card drawing white, which just triggers yeah. whenever an opponent ramps, fetches, gets tutors, yeah. anything, uh, you get to draw a card off it. Mm -hmm. And there's a good chance you're drawing a lot with it because you're in a pod in Commander and there's three other people and yeah. there's a lot of value to be there. Um, it's not in the realms of like a hull breacher or an opposition agent because they stop the search yeah. and the draw and the treasures and, you know, they take away that aspect whereas this sure. uh, and still enables the player to search for the thing you're just getting a reward out of it and you can flash it in mm -hmm. just to get a few cards it's probably gonna go in like legacy death and taxes as well i know we don't talk about Maybe. a lot about legacy in the in on this podcast but it's just cool just to see a couple of cards that eke into constructive and i think this could be one of those i don't know if like yeah. because it's like it, everyone's comparing it to Ava mind sensor but i don't it's a much different thing i think because this just is pure card draw yeah, for sure. I, I don't think they're comparable in, no. even remotely because they do two different things. One is like kind of a lock piece, not a hard lock piece, but it's a lock piece. And this just gives you value for your opponent doing things. They, yeah. they are two very, very different functions, you know, like I wouldn't want this say now I know it's, you know, it's not going to be legal in modern, but if it was in modern, I wouldn't care for this against Amulet Titan, really. Yeah. Because what's that going to do? But even Mind Sensor, much, much better, you know. So there's different circumstances for them. What I kind of find interesting about this for Commander is it's going to happen reasonably often. And it doesn't require you checking with your opponent, like, did you pay X or did you whatever? Yeah. And I personally hate those because it, it does slow down the game. It does cause a burden of annoyance on your opponents, which I'm not a fan of. That's why I'm not huge on Esper Sentinel. Now, don't get me wrong, they're super, super powerful cards. And, you know, if you're playing higher powers, you absolutely should be playing them. But, yeah. like, Esper Sentinel, Rhystic Study, all that kind of thing, the annoyance factor of having to ask all the time is a pain. It's not going to happen as often that you're going to draw a card as you will with the likes of... Well, the opportunity will arise less often mm. than it will with the likes of Esper Sentinel and that kind of thing. But it's guaranteed every time. 
you know, they, they can't pay to mitigate it. And that's what I think makes this much, much stronger yeah. overall in terms of like a consistent kind of thing. Because, you know, if the whole table decides on it, you're just going to get no cards off your Esper Sentinel full stop. Whereas with this, you can. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's just a nice thing to add to white decks, just to be busy and it's a two-two as well, so you can get off like a recruiter of the guard or imperial recruit as well for yeah for relevance. Don't be surprised if this becomes expensive. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Even it's card draw and white. It's going to be expensive, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is about all that we want to cover this week, uh, because we need to make sure that we fit in a little bit of time for some Q and A. We do have a little bit this week. So Joe Cheney kicks it off with. What is your opinion on Greasefang and Pioneer? Is she another Winota? Okay. So, to anyone that doesn't know, the Greasefang decks, what they essentially look to do is play Greasefang, which will allow you to reanimate Parhelion 2 from the graveyard, then crew it and attack immediately and just basically end the game on the spot. And it has sort of, almost like the sort of Esper Reanimator in Modern kind of package, where it's got like cheap disruption and that kind of thing, so it's almost a control deck, but uses the reanimation package as a way to close out quickly. I personally quite like it. Um, the Esper one in particular, because like it's just running like super, super cheap disruption. There's the Thought Seasons, there's the Fatal Pushes, there's the Spell Pierces, and there's just so many easy ways to get the stuff into the bin. You know, you have your Faithful Mending, you yeah. have uh, Ledger Shredder, you've got all this like super, super cheap, efficient, good cards. There's a Mardu version knocking around as well with Croxer as yeah. well. Because a lot of these decks, like the Esper ones tend to be more all-in on the package, whereas the Mardu one's just like Mardu mid-range that happens to have the Grease Fan combo because mm. it can fit it. It's a good way to end the game. Um, I really like the Grease Fan decks in Pioneer because it's just yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everyone's like concerned that Grease Fan will get better, but there's better creatures for Winota than there will ever be vehicles for Grease Fan. Yeah. So this is my opinion on the actual question, which is like, you know, is she another Winota or whichever? And my opinion is no. And the reason I say that is because... She does require a specific setup. Now, it's not a hard setup, but it is a specific setup where you have to get a vehicle into the bin that's worth reanimating, then get her on board, and then get to combat. And bring the thing back, crew it, and then attack. With Winota, that is how it was in the likes of Standard and that kind of thing for a good while, where it was like, okay, build up, get like get your Winota in hand, play it, move to combat and attack, and then like the game is based functionally over, right? When you're attacking with a decent team. The way you can interrupt that is just use a handful of removal spells and then they basically just can't do anything. Whereas now, if you hold up your removal spells for the likes of Winota or that kind of thing, you're dead. You're dead because all the other creatures in the deck are just good creatures. And if you're trying to like hit them with one-to-one removal like that, you're just going to be worn down. And then Winota's going to hit and she's going to attack with like two or three creatures instead of six or seven. And the game is effectively over anyway. And then you have you the Torvalar Huntsmaster, which makes two extra creatures. And it's yeah. just, it just snowballs really, really badly. 100%. Um, At least with Grease Fang, like you can play some like graveyard hate. Yeah. You know. um, to be honest, I don't think Winota should be in Pioneer. I think it's getting to mm-hmm. that point where she's getting too good and a bit too warping for Pioneer. Agreed. But stuff like Greasefang, I'm happy to see, just because it's a different thing for Pioneer to have. Also, mm-hmm. you see it in Modern a little bit as well, which is quite nice. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of cool to have as like one of the stronger decks in Pioneer as well, because mm-hmm. like that, if a very dedicated piece of removal that is universally sideboardable, like 
say Soul Guide Lantern, if that can like really shut it down, that's really really good. Now, sure, it can still just play the long game and play out Parhelions anyway, but like. Yeah. <laughs> If that's what you're bringing to Pioneer, like, you're not playing at the same power level, you know? No. But, yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. I, I really like it. So we've got a question from Scott Hanch. Uh, they ask, if there were other D&D settings explored in Magic, what would be your top three? So, like, different places hmm. within d and I've got a couple in mind. So this is where my D&D knowledge is kind of lacking because an awful, awful lot of D&D that I've taken part in has all been homebrew. A lot of the people that I have DM'd with have just created their own worlds. I just happen to know some extremely fantastically talented people that have the time and the dedication for it. And I think that's worth celebrating by itself. Um, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. (laughs) Mine would be Ravenloft, which is a really popular one. It's like Curse of Strahd. Um, Mm. That would be a cool place to go. You could tie it in with like Innistrad and Magic as well. It's that sort of theme. You've got Waterdeep, which is one of the more popular ones that's been around since forever. A lot of people seem mm. to like that. Waterdeep, I know. Yeah. And one I would like to see that they've announced recently is Spelljammer, which is more of a futuristic D&D. Um, oh. So that would be cool as well, just to see that steampunky, high, that futuristic sort of D&D as well. There would be my three. I think Ravenloft would be the top one, because I'm still surprised there isn't an Innistrad D&D book as well. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool just to see that mm. as well in a D&D yeah. setting. And Scotch Hand has another question. If there was to be a horror crossover universe of Beyond, which authors, directors would you want to see? So I'm so, not big on horror. Me I'm neither. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, I'm terrible with horror. I do have one that I think. I don't know if it counts, but I'm going to count it anyway. And I would love to see a Junji Ito universes Beyond. I think that would be I'm sick. I'm just going to agree with you because I don't know what that is. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Go look up Junji Ito. You, you'll know it exactly as, as soon as you see it. Okay. Like their, think, their style. Yeah. I think if I have to give an answer, I would love to see Dead Space, if we're counting that as horror. Okay. Or Resident Evil. I jumped at it several times and hated it, so, like, you know, I would count it's that as It's one of the few horror. horror games that I finished because the story was so good that it was mm. worth me having all these jump scares and just getting spooked. But I mm. think Dead Space would be mine. But yeah, I don't really do cool. horror because it's just, I don't want to spend two hours just being terrified. Not a good experience. I already have palpitations from nothing. Do you think I want yeah, palpitations exactly. from something as well? Like <laughs> <laughs> I have to do, I have to do this by choice? No. And then lastly, we've got a question from Bo Schwartz. They ask, is there any Commander Legend cards that you think could make it into pauper? So for Commander Legends, I feel like there's a couple of cards that I could see playing mm-hmm. pauper and they could be pretty good. It's hard to tell just by looking at them. So in Battles of Baldur's Gate, you have this brand new mechanic called the Initiative. So it does read, whenever one or more creatures a player controls deal combat damage to you, that player takes the initiative. So it's like Monarch, if you take combat damage, you lose the initiative and then they get it. Whenever you do take the initiative and at the beginning of your upkeep, you venture into the Undercity and the Undercity is a dungeon. It's the same dungeon every time. There's no new ones. This is the only one tied to initiative. And there's a couple of cards uh, previewed that are commons that have this ability. They could be a little bit too good. It's hard to tell because often these kind of uh, mechanics are meant for multiplayer. And often when these sort of things happen for multiplayer, they can be quite warping in 1v1. So I'd be curious Mm. to see how it plays out. Um, The only one that I think that could see the most play is the the blue one. I'm not going to try and pronounce the name because I'm going to ruin it. It's Aracocra Sneak. Okay. 
that card. There you go. Um, <laughs> when it enters the battlefield, you gain the initiative. But the reason it could be so good because it could go, it could go into familiars, and then you can ephemerate it and then rebound it, and then you get to venture the dungeon three times basically and gain the initiative again. Mm-hmm. I won't say what all the under the under city abilities have, but it just seems pretty good for pauper. So it's just something we're keeping an eye on in the yeah. format panel. We're aware of it already. Yeah. Now. It's funny, the Avenging Hunter, the four and a green, five, four Dragon Ranger with Trample, when it ETBs, mm. you take the initiative. I could be off on this, but I think that this one might see more play because I think there's a better natural home for it, possibly. The reason I say that is because the likes of the Jund Cascade decks at the moment, thinking. yeah, they run Bears, which is three green, green for a four, four with Trample, and when it ETBs, draw a card. I think overall this gives you a little bit more because, well, first of all, you get the initiative and also, you know, there's, yeah, and it's going to be hard for your opponent to take the initiative in general because you're just playing big, huge creatures anyway. And it's an extra point of power. I I, I think it just has a little bit more upside than the Elbers do. I think it might see more play there possibly just because it's like they want to play these kinds of creatures anyway. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if there's a quote-unquote fall, fall from favour card with initiative that's incredibly Maybe. under-costed. That's quite powerful. Um, my guess would be there's one of each in each colour. So mm. that we'll see a red one and a black one and a white one during the previews. Yeah. The other card that I that could see play is Fang Dragon, which was revealed earlier this week. Mm. It's got adventure and it's um, it has like a sweeping effect is like trickery essentially for two mana yeah. on a six six dragon which could be pretty good as well it's cool to see yeah. adventure back as well that's a really fun mechanic yeah for sure i think that one might make tron into like red green tron because yeah. like your sweeper is just going to have a six power flyer attached to it like it seems good right <laughs> It seems pretty good just to have those sort of ability, have this sweeping effect, which are sweepers are pretty good in Port Ferronia, especially ones that do yeah. one damage because look at fairies. Um, and then mm. you've just got this big win condition that you can just lump onto it as well. And it's not quite the Bone Crusher Giant, but it's still pretty good, I think. Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, and Tim Newman. And at the Songs tier, we have a nice planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nerblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or simply message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.